Hey, welcome to the Adler.tv show. I've got new episodes every Thursday at 5 a.m. with a different guest in a different location. Find all the episodes at my website, Adler.tv. Uh, before we start, I want to say a quick word of encouragement because I know many of our lives have been turned upside down due to the coronavirus. And I just want to say, try to stay positive and active and calm and stay in prayer and stay in contact with the people that you love, because even though we might not be able to meet them at a restaurant or visit them at home right now, we can use this crazy time for good and try to better ourselves in ways that we can. Uh, And at the very least, appreciate what we have a little bit more. Today's guest is Lonnie Jones. He is a renaissance man. Unfortunately, I couldn't think of the term Renaissance Man during the interview, so just know he's a man of many talents with vast areas of knowledge. This episode was recorded before the whole world stopped because of COVID-19, so Lonnie was able to meet me here at the Rick and Bubba studio for a quick chat and a quick jujitsu sparring session too. Here's Renaissance Man, Lonnie Jones. Check it out. Hey gang, welcome to the Adler.TV show. I'm Chris Adler, and today my guest is quite a jack-of-all-trades. He is a licensed counselor. He has a master's in psychology. He is a rappel instructor. He speaks to adults, married people, kids, all across the country, and has been doing this for many years. He's a purple belt in jiu-jitsu. The guy is is amazing. He's a real, what's that, a real uh, journeyman? Is that the right word? No. That sounds good to me. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, Lonnie Jones, sir. Hey, it is nice to be here, sir. Thank you for the invitation. Man, thank you so much for being here. I'm going to tell people how I found out about you, and then I just found out that there are some crazy connections to like the people that I work with and everything as well. But I'm listening to Brandon McCaffrin's podcast. He, Brandon McCaffrin is a uh, jiu-jitsu guru, and uh, he's got a pretty pretty sweet little podcast. And one day, a guest on the show was this country-sounding dude named Lonnie. <laughs> Granted, Brandon's pretty country-sounding himself. So, But this guy, Lonnie's talking. I'm like, man, this guy, Lonnie, is just spitting some wisdom. I, I That's the guy I got to talk to. My jujitsu game is important, but life is pretty important, too. And you just you, you dropped some great knowledge on that podcast. And uh, I knew that I needed to get uh, to talk to you. And your book, this is great, fortunate timing. Your book just came out, uh, Grappling with Life. Is that correct? Yes, Grappling sir. with Life. And um, I've got a ton to talk to you about. Lonnie Jones, thanks for being here. Man, this is just great to be here. Uh, I'm in town on business, and uh, you reached out to me on uh, Instagram. And uh, well, I happen to be around, so let's get together. That's cool. Yeah, super cool. Um, you you just put out your book, Grappling with Life. That's just a coincidence. Somebody emailed me, and they're like, hey, have you heard of this guy? He, he You need to have him on. And I was like, yeah. And then the person emailed me back and they're like, he's got a connection to the show too. I'm like, really? What's that? And you just told me you actually went to high school with Rick and Greg. Yeah. Rick was a year younger than, than us. Okay. And uh, I knew, uh, his dad, coach Burgess, a lot, a lot of respect for, for coach Burgess. Uh, I remember he spoke at my sixth grade graduation and I remember thinking it'd be cool to be a guy who could speak like that. That yeah. is awesome. And now you do that. Yes. Now you do do that. That is fantastic. Do you remember anything about Coach Burgess's like speak uh, speech specifically? He always talked about integrity, cool responsibility and integrity, responsibility and integrity. Mm. I just wish that had rubbed off on his his kids, you know, a little <laughs> bit. I'm just kidding, Rick and Greg. Just kidding. Um, well, that's so cool. Did you you didn't ever play for Coach Burgess though? No, you just, I I, uh, I didn't play ball in uh, high school. I got invited to wrestle. And the year that I was trying out for the team, I got offered a youth minister's job and had to choose between youth ministry and wrestling. And 
uh, I, I so I became a youth minister my junior year in high school, and uh, the I guess my pursuit of Brazilian jiu-jitsu is kind of that uh, filling in that thing that I never did in high school. There you go. Yeah, um, you you were a youth minister for a while, and then ex- you went private, so to speak. Right. Uh, and now you do counseling, and you do, like I said, uh, big big uh, conferences, all uh, individual, uh, all all levels there. Right. Uh, cool. I was in. I was full time youth minister, and realized I had been trained, quote unquote, trained to preach, but not to minister. Huh. And so I started studying counseling, just as a way to enhance my ministry. And then was in a very fortunate situation that a guy, well, I was rock climbing with his kid. Well, he's my rock climbing partner, and he asked me what I was going to do in my life with this degree. And I said, Well, one day I'd like to get a license. He's well, my dad's a supervisor, and we'd be glad to do that for you. And so then we we prayed about it and decided to try to be self-supported ministers. And so after full-time ministry for a long, long time, I went into private practice in 98. Fantastic. And you've been doing that ever since? Yeah, 22 years in private practice. Written a few books, written a couple children's books, and uh, now this this most recent one. When did you get, because you are now a purple belt in jiu-jitsu. Yes. And that's not an easy thing to do. But no. <laughs> g- getting that purple belt is not an easy thing to do. Uh, how long have you been doing jiu-jitsu? I probably started jujitsu in the early nineties. Oh so wow! I've been in and out, in and out, and kind of a Ronin. Sure, I didn't actually have a club uh, that I was a member of. Uh, the general, the guys at uh, Triad Martial Arts, which is traditional gi, mm-hmm. Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, were my first guys that got me involved, and they've been benevolent and kind to me. If I walk in the door, they let me train, and even though I was a hacker and wouldn't we would only come you know once a month or something uh so that's how i got started and then when brandon opened up his schools i just love that young man and in order to to connect with him i went to his opening night and uh it's been been a good journey jiu-jitsu for the people that uh are, haven't done it it's it's awesome it's incredible and you don't know what you don't know until you get into it and it really is a great um analogy or metaphor for how you approach problems in life too so um you know and, and speaking of approaching problems in life i think one of the things that stuck with me the most that i heard you say on brandon's podcast and i believe this was you i hope i hope this is this was you is you said when it comes to raising your kids you need to prepare your children for the path don't prepare the path for your children I did say that. It's a quote from Tom Caldwell. Okay. And Tommy Caldwell is the guy uh, who, uh, with his partner uh, Jorgensen, climbed uh, the Dawn Wall on El Capitan. Yes, sir. And he spent 29 wow. days on that rock. And uh, call, read Caldwell's book, The Push. Okay. It's a super, super uh, journey about what this young man and how his dad prepared him for the path, not the path for him. I've got a a wife that is, I guess, seven and three quarters months pregnant, and we're gonna be having our first kid here in about forty days. Oh wow! So, uh, yeah, I, we're excited. It's our first one, and we're nervous but excited and ready. And um, I'm definitely taking that to heart when it comes to parent preparing your children for the path, not the path for your children. Um, what are what are some of the some of the things that you like to really touch on? Uh, when it comes to like parents, uh, what are some of the, like the the main problems that you see parents coming to you asking for help with? I think most parents get confused that their job 
is to raise an adult, to raise somebody who's self-reliant. And they think that their job is to make somebody happy. Mm. Well, you can't make a teenager happy. They suffer from emotional dysregulation. Yes. They see the world as ideal or unacceptable, and there's no room between the two. Right, 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 Uh, right. So uh, a lot of my youth ministry was based on a a concept of a guy named Stephen Glenn, who wrote Raising Self-Reliant Children in a Self-Indulgent World. Mm. And he basically says there's three perceptions and four skills you need to have to be an adult. And so I wrote Dr. Glenn years ago and said, hey, could I use some of your material and talk about being spiritually self-reliant? And I modeled my youth ministry to instill those things from a a Christian worldview. Fantastic. Yeah. um, That is another thing I I really liked about, um, you know, your your all your stuff and what I've heard from you is that you do have a Christian worldview, but it's with practical applications. You know, it's not just we'll pray about it. Right. Good. Good luck. Pray about it. You know that kind of thing. There are there are things. There are actions uh, that one can take to do better in this world. And and um, you were talking about because uh, stress is something that you know we all deal with, and I I definitely have dealt with. I've gotten you know um, what is it called the hives before broken out in hives because of stress several times just with like big projects hanging over me, weighing over me. And it, ter- it turns out like those projects bring on the hives every time I can bookmark big projects that have been happening in my lives. And I get like these raised bumps and they it starts. It looks like a mosquito bite at first. You're like, OK, that's just a mosquito bite or something. But then it turns into this gigantic raised platform on your skin and it itches and it's terrible and it adds to your stress. Um, what would be some some things that you would recommend to people when dealing with stress? So the the little book that that I just got out uh, is uh, called Grappling with Life: Controlling Your Inside Space. Of course, if you're a grappler, you've got to protect the inside space. Yes. Well, I've used that as a as a metaphor to talk about you know your head, your heart, and your soul. And, and so that book has several of these strategies in it. Number one, you know, control the controllables and do the doables. You know, you're only responsible for what you can control. If you and I grapple and I let you put all your weight on me, if you make me responsible for your weight, you'll crush me. It's unrelenting, soul-stealing pressure. Right. And, you know, Brandon says if you take a man's soul, he'll give you his arm. Right. So if you make me responsible <laughs> for something I don't control, you've got my soul. So I'm not I'm not going to be responsible. You know, if I, if I can control it, I'm responsible for it. If I can't control it, then I'm not going to worry about it. I can't make you mad. If I can make you mad, I can make you happy. Mm. I can't make you drink. If I can make you drink, I can make you sober. If I can make you kill yourself, I can keep you alive. So I'm not going to accept responsibility for things I don't control. Mm. Number two, I'm not going to let you control something that doesn't belong to you. If, if, if I let you get my wrist, my elbow, my ankle, my knee, you can cripple me. Mm. So I'm not going to let you have control of my self-worth my competency, my spirituality, my view of success. And once you set those appropriate boundaries, creating space in a wrestling match or a grappling match, once I establish those healthy boundaries, then stress really has a hard time getting a hold of me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to borrow, I'm gonna borrow a, a question from a friend of mine that runs the podcast, The RV Entrepreneur. How do you define success? From a Christian worldview, Uh, My number one responsibility on the planet is to God. Hmm. My number one responsibility to God is my family. And if God's taken care of, my wife and my daughter taken care of, everybody else gets a number. 
and some of those numbers are double digit because <laughs> once you know that's that's my job so i think you look at success from a, a standpoint of you know what is your self identity and what you are determines what you do and if what you're doing fulfills your self identity that's success so jiu jitsu something that you've um you know dedicated a lot of time to but rappelling is something that you seem to have made an occupation out of. You're a rappelling instructor. Um, how did that come? How did that come out? When when did you get into that? So I uh, I saw the TV show SWAT <laughs> when I was a kid. I'm so, real quick. Let me um, come back to that. Oh, come, okay. come back to All that. Right. As far as jujitsu is fighting, this is just a general thing. This is for people that don't do jujitsu, don't even care about jujitsu. Say you're on your back, right, and you fell on your back, and somebody's coming to get you. The the inside space, as you call it, we call it the uh, uh, the sacred sp- space. I think that's what they call it. I forget. Anyways, you called it inside space. That is, say you're laying on your back and, and you're trying to defend yourself. If you touch your knees to your elbows, people can't get to your heart, your diaphragm, your, even your head. You can tuck all that in so your face is protected, your chest is protected, your heart, your lungs, your diaphragm. You can breathe if your elbows and your knees are connected to themselves. If that bond breaks and somebody can get in there, that's the sacred place. People get in between there and they have access to everything. They can they can grab your arm, they can grab your neck, they can grab they can smash your diaphragm, whatever the case may be. They can control your hips. They can which, bend your spine. They can bend your spine. There you go. So um, just in, is, like there are there are some fundamental rules of jujitsu that apply to. Just the fundamental rules of defending oneself and and like you said, establishing boundaries or whatever you know, whatever the case may be. So that's what the sacred place or the inside right, space right. Uh, is in jujitsu. Okay, back to repelling. Okay, you so, saw SWAT. So I see the nineteen seventy two SWAT <laughs> TV show, and this dude bounces down a building on a rope. I said that may be the coolest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, I'm going to do that one day. Yes, sir. So I started goofing around climbing trees. And I had a friend in school who could not climb trees. So we would throw a rope over a limb, tie it to ourselves, and haul ourselves up the tree using like a two-to-one advantage. Sure. And then you could bounce down that tree similarly to what I saw the guy on TV do. And it went from playing in the trees to learning some real stuff to playing on rocks. And uh, I've taken some classes and uh, used to use it to do adventure therapy. A lot of my life is about taking an event and explaining it. And I used rappelling with students to teach transitions. And I don't know if you want me to go into any of those details. Yes, yes. So you're on top of a rock, and you're standing on top of the rock, and everybody's cool, and you feel good. You're okay. stable. Mm-hmm. When you get finished rappelling, you're standing on the ground, and everybody's cool, and you feel stable. You feel good, yes. It's that little trip between the middle right. that makes people really, really nervous. Yes. So mom and dad are married. And all of a sudden, they go through a divorce. At the end of that thing, I end up at a place where I'm stable. Mm. Go from stability to stability through something scary. Well, if you use repelling as a metaphor, you got to have four things to do that. you got to be attached to an anchor that is higher and stronger than you are. Usually, that's a big tree or a big rock or something. Sure. So what's your anchor in life? Then you've got to be connected to a system. you got to have a harness. you got to have a rope. Got to have some gear that connects you to that. What system are you connected to? You connect to a family, an extended family, a church, a social club, a culture, whatever. Then before you properly repel, you've got to do some verbal signals. Uh, on repel, on belay, I'm repelling, repel on, whatever. 
Who are you communicating to? Now, once you tip over that edge and you're sliding down a rope, and the rope is typically 10.2 millimeters, if you tried to slide down that rope barehanded, it'd burn you up. So you've got to have a device that controls friction. So when you go through a transition in life, you've got to have an anchor point, you've got to be connected, you've got to communicate, and you've got to analyze how you control friction. So I start teaching this just because it's my hobby, and I can teach it with kids. Then it turns into uh, taking a lot of kids rappelling, and the city of Huntsville approached me about doing that with inner city kids. And we were using a piece of property that Huntsville owns called Three Caves. And uh, my response was, nobody writes newspaper articles about the 15 kids you bring home. It's that one kid you leave out there, get you in the paper. So I said, if you'll build an indoor climbing wall, I'll donate time to teach on it. So they built me this little project in Lakewood Community Center, and we taught climbing and rappelling out of the rafters. And that turned into us building a ropes course, which uses adventure-based therapy, experiential learning. And so I've run uh, two ropes course. I did the Kill Mountain Project, and now I do the course for Wellstone Behavioral. And so all the vertical stuff and all the classes you go to is just part of using that outdoor experience. And then in 92, I got invited to be a police chaplain. And as part of my duties as the chaplain for the SWAT team, they knew I repelled. And so I got to take them, and they kind of made me the de facto repel master. That's so, great. So it's, 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 uh, I do it for business. I do it for fun. I've got to teach, actually, at a couple of SWAT schools. And then, of course, you know, I just do that on the ropes course when we take students out or whatever. I'm so terrible. I don't know. I think I know one or two knots. Like I know how to tie my shoes. Does that count? Does that count it as does a knot? Count, okay. Yes. What what would that be technically? Is that does that have a name? What's what is that? It's a bow. It's just a bow knot. Yeah. Okay. Just a bow. It's yeah. not even a bow knot. Uh, just a bow, I think. Okay. Well, I know how to do a bow. That's great. That didn't it sound probably, very masculine. If if it's tied technically, it probably is a bow. It probably is a square knot, but people rarely get it into a square knot <laughs> right okay okay and then uh, a surgeon's knot i know how to do a surgeon's okay. knot, which is like i think the most basic knot there is it's good to to use to put a hook on the line okay and uh, that's a good kind of a constrictor type knot yeah yeah and that's basically just uh you know how the be- the beginning of when you tie your shoes you know the under and the pull right uh just do that a couple more times on uh, the under 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 pull it tight and then do like two two unders on top one more mm-hmm. kind of curl yeah. it around do yeah. two more unders on top and it doesn't slip It'll it'll stick. It's it's quick and easy, and it's kind of easy to untie. I use it to tie the gi, my gi pants most of the time. The the okay, drawstring yeah. on my gi pants right. most of the time, and it doesn't slip because I I was doing the bow for a while, and George Webby, my instructor, was like, "Hey, buddy, you look like a rookie having to retie that thing all the time." <laughs> so I am. Uh, I guess I'm about. I guess I just just hit three years of jujitsu. Excellent. Which is amazing. I can't believe it's been that long. Um, I'm still a white belt. I'm so, it's just, it's getting embarrassing at this point, but that's not anybody's fault but mine. Just like most of the time, the situations we find ourselves in life, they're most of the time because of our actions, you know, the, the habits that we, the, that we have, the people that we hang out with, those are choices. You know, most, most of our lives uh, are luckily, which is great. You know, I, I tend to have that view. Well, again, it's, you know, and I've got this weird philosophy i believe in competence over mastery uh that's why i don't have a black belt sure you know i rock climb i repel i hunt with a bow i bow fish yes and i have a little bit of experience in jujitsu so you know you just have to decide you know i've got this much pie 
Right. And, and how many slices am I going to cut it up into? Most definitely. Well, some people have one slice of pie. It's a big pie, and it's only jujitsu, <laughs> and they're masters at it. Yes. Well, I'm into jujitsu mainly as a hobby and as a self-defense interest. Sure. The average six-month student in jujitsu would handle himself very, very well if somebody were to try to tackle him or, or, or hold him down or something like that. Totally. So, you know, if you train with the Tigers— the bobcats don't frighten you. Right. And so you know, you're, you're, and, and quit. You know, one of the things is if you're in a gym and you're comparing yourself to all the other guys who are in the gym, that's a bad comparison. Right. Totally. You know, you start looking at what you're doing, compare yourself to people outside the gym. That's a different animal. Definitely. Or if you get you get a, a, a brand new guy that just walked in that day, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, we, we have to remind ourselves of that all the time in the gym. It's like you're training with people who also train. You know, and um, so there you go. A trained man will beat an untrained man with monotonous regularity. <laughs> there it is. That's uh, totally, totally. Uh, you got to have a plan. And and um, for a while, I wrote off martial arts because, you know, you're like, you see somebody do a, a hook and an uppercut and then throw an elbow in the clinch or something like that. And you're like, yeah, of course. Sure. But if you have a plan to do that and you have the muscle memory to do that, you're so much well, you know, so much better prepared for somebody that just thinks, okay, that's what I'll do, but it's never, never has actually done it. You know, right, right. all these things, uh, you know, it's it, all this stuff is so much harder than you would think. You know, and I find myself kind of in this situation that you have found yourself in uh, with that piece of pie. You know, um, and th- there are a few slices of that pie that are like, you know, wasting time on social media or whatever the case may be, watching too much TV, too much YouTube or whatever. And uh, you know, we we got to figure out what those slices want to be you know what kind of ratio we want to have going on those slices and it's it's the older i get i know my i know that my time is about to get cut by 90 percent with this child that's on its way we don't know what it is by the way it's, oh wow that's yeah cool. yeah we're going surprise or out all the way so there you go well that's the thing is that you can invest so much time into your child and bring them with you to your hobbies and your interest and their whole life is is an open chalkboard and, you know, uh, our philosophy was, you know, of course, our daughter was young when I went into private practice. And so it was like, okay, you're going to starve to death or what? But we decided to drive used cars. We decided to live in a modest house. And I said, she's going to be 14 one time. And I'm not going to miss any volleyball games. I got the rest of my life to make money. And, you know, maybe Dave Ramsey's head will blow up because of that. But we made some conscious choices to invest into her and then worry about developing a larger business profile later. And that was okay for us. That was our version of success. For sure. And, uh, you know, one day a week, I picked her up after school, said, I got ropes, I got guns, I got bows. What would you like to do? And she said, I'd like to go to the mall. (laughs) (laughs) So every Thursday till she could drive, I picked her up after school, went and hung out at the mall. There you go. That's fantastic. That is being an awesome dad. Um, Your name is Lonnie, L-O-N-N-I-E. Her name is Lonnie... L O N I. Yeah, Lonnie Elizabeth. Oh, there you go, Lonnie Elizabeth. There and you go. We called her Lonnie Beth, and then everybody calls her L B. Her husband calls her L B. That's great. The 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 girl dad thing, which has been talked about a lot with uh, you know Kobe Bryant and his three daughters. Um, I didn't really think about girl dad um, in the way that people have been talking about it, and the way that you can approach that. Um, it's you know you know I've got a, I've got a niece and I got a nephew. And they're totally different. And how I interact with them is totally different. 
and um, that's going to be whatever it whatever it happens, you know, with my with my child that's coming up. That's okay, you know. Now, were you were you a player in high school? Was I a player like of sports no, or no, was in with girls? I I, I was uh, I, I attempted to, but I wouldn't call myself a player. God no. gives you daughters to punish you for how you dated. Okay, okay all you're right. standing there, and a guy walks in. He's got three little stair step blondes. I go, "Hello, player," because I know <laughs> what. what I, and, and the wife usually just nods her little pretty head because sure, he's sure. being paid back. So you know. Um. Well, there may be some payback. Uh, <laughs> right. There may be some payback then coming. Because yeah, I mean, there's. There's that desire, just like as a as a guy, to have that son that we can go do man stuff, you know, or like whatever. It may, I would rather have GI Joe cartoons on my TV than I don't know, Felma the ballerina. That's not even a real show, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. Just because guys like guys, you you, you know you know. Well, how well the fun is. part of that is my daughter does not hunt. But she shoots. Sure. The only thing she's ever hunted with me is frogs. Okay. She loves to shoot frogs with a twenty-two pistol. <laughs> That's crazy. And, and her character growing up was Ninja Turtles, uh, Kim Possible, and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, so, you go. So you know, I had a little bit of a princess, yeah. but at the same time, you know, she was pretty. Uh, Pretty, she was, she was a warrior princess. A warrior princess. Warrior that, princess. That's a, that's a good word there. There you go. Yes, yes. You got to have, you got to put a little bit of, of warrior in your princess. Otherwise, uh, it's just a princess and she's just going to be waiting up in that castle for Prince Charming to come along and, hey, good luck being happy and, and, and that's what I tell the girls, that. you know, from youth groups and when I speak, I said, you know, you're not looking for somebody to make you happy. You're looking for somebody to share your happiness because, you know, you don't want a, par- a project, you want a partner. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. you know, two healthy people make a synergistic whole person. A half a person, a half a person doesn't make a whole person. Right, right. And then even if you take that analogy, a half a person and a half a person, then you still are just left with one person. Let's be two whole people. or you, you, and, you, and combine it together, yeah. yeah. That's biblical math. Uh, you know, one and one doesn't equal two, two equals one. Yes, yeah. And that is that level of intimacy where you're synergistically you know, it's not one and one make two, but two ones make an 11. Yes. That's what a good relationship is about. And teaching your daughter to have enough self-esteem to be picky about who she dates and who she chooses is is part of the dad function. Yeah, most definitely. Oh, most definitely. You can uh, you can see that uh, a lot of times uh, girls that don't make good those good choices, how was your relationship with your father? Oh, it wasn't that great. He wasn't around much. He, he was never around. Well that's that that's playing into the choices that you're making right now you know so so back to the competency thing sure you know uh if your child believes i'm capable i'm significant and the things that i choose can influence my outcomes you've raised a person who has self-reliance not a victim and then the skill sets intrapersonal skills interpersonal skills systemic skills and judgmental skills now that's 1980s literature, translate that into emotional intelligence, mm-hmm. where I understand my own emotions and I can respond to them with self-regulation, delayed gratification, impulse control, and motivation. That's how you raise an adult. Mm, there you go. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's crazy to see. Um, and I, I know I'm getting older, so I'm having a harder time relating to some of the interns that come through here, uh, but it, it's it's. I don't I don't know what the deal is. I think it's because they have a little miniature TV in their pockets all the time. Um 
and and have had a, a little mini TV talking about phones in their pockets all the time. They can they can watch whatever they want. They they I don't I don't feel like they're ever bored. Right. Um, but they're also not utilizing the great wealth of knowledge that they have access to to better themselves. Most of the time, uh, there was a change in, in our interns. And granted, we've had some great interns. And actually, the interns that we have right now are great as well. Let me go ahead and say that. We've got a couple right now that are awesome. But there was a change and was like, oh, you had the internet since you were alive. And it's and you haven't used it to grow. You've used it as a crutch and it's actually stunted your growth. Instant gratification is the biggest danger to the internet because you don't have to wait and you don't have to have discipline to get anything. A guy named Matt Evans out of uh, Dalton, Georgia, talks about living in such a way as to get deep satisfaction. And deep satisfaction only comes from learning to choose between what you want now and what you want most. And unfortunately, as younger people, we're impulse controlled and we go for now rather than delaying and getting what we want most. I think that's actually a, a Helion Gracie quote that discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want most. And and so the the internet is allowed students to have instant access to knowledge. You don't have to do an internship to learn something. You don't have to do a, an apprenticeship. Uh, you don't have to go to the library and pull a dozen books. You can watch a video on it. Now, that's a good thing, but at the same time, they don't have the appreciation for what it takes to develop a discipline or develop a skill. Sure, sure. Yeah, that is true. Um, I came up at a time, um, and I, now I do video work for, for my job, but right now, if you wanted to become a video producer, just go on the internet and look at the right people follow the right YouTubers and you can get pretty darn good at creating videos and make a pretty good living doing it. Honestly, um, that wasn't the case when I was in college. So I went to school for it and I had to go to the, the, the campus news station and get a camera and, and, and all that stuff. So people, if you're listening to this right now, take advantage of the internet, take advantage of that instant gratification for knowledge and push yourself and, and make and make and make whatever you may be doing because uh, the first it's, – it's really easy to think that you are capable of doing something until you actually try it. Uh, that, that was definitely the case for me when it come to, come to, came to video and that was definitely the case uh, for me when it came to uh, jujitsu. You know, it's just like, wow, I, I thought I knew what I was, what I was doing. Uh, and then six months later, wow, I thought I knew what I was doing. And then six months later, wow, I thought I knew what I was doing. Well, one of my favorite quotes comes from a Disney cartoon, and it's when Pocahontas tells John Smith in the song, you never knew the things you never knew you never knew. Yes. And and we tend to, to I don't know, somehow think that because we can read it or watch it or see it, the same as knowing. Right. And uh, we, we substitute product and we skip the process and the process is part of it you know and and you think about uh, coaching outcome-based coaching versus performance-based coaching did we win a trophy or did we learn a skill you learn the skills and the discipline trophies will come but we just want what everybody gets a trophy Mm -hmm. that instant gratification thing again most definitely uh speaking of something that Seems like there is there's no instant gratification in this bow fishing. I saw a picture on your Instagram of the sun coming up. Yes, and you still had a bow in your hand. Yes, so you had just been bow fishing. So you just been shooting an arrow into the water all night. Yes, 
How often do you do this? Does bow fishing? Okay, I don't know anything about bow fishing. What's up? I didn't. I didn't know you did it at night. Mostly, you can do it in the daytime. But, okay, but you've got an angle of the sun, and then you can't see in the water. Sure. But at night, you've got a, a large boat with lights on it, usually yeah. run by a generator. Mm-hmm. And you, what we do is we hunt the the mud flats, the grass beds, and the pockets. And depending on the time of year, is what fish you're going to chase. The water temperature, I think, gets at 78, what they call a buffalo, goes into those pockets to spawn. And uh, I've shot a bow for years uh, shooting at deer. Uh, but in the water, the boat's moving, the fish is moving, it's at night, and you have refraction. So sure. Gotta, the fish is not where you think he is. Right. And it's very challenging. It, it's very enjoyable. There's a guy in Florence, Alabama named Daryl Pickle. Okay. And we call him Pickle. Great, great name, by we the way. We call him Pickle. He's a mad scientist. He built a 24-foot tritune pontoon boat from the ground up designed specifically to bowfish out of. And when I'm on the boat, we say our prayer, and just before he starts the engine, I scream as loud as I can, release the Kraken. And, <laughs> and we're the apex predator on the water. But he will probably, from April till September, will be on the, the water every Friday night, and he'll have anywhere from six to eight shooters, and most of them will be teenagers. And he wants you to see God's creation in a whole new light, and he wants to prove you can stay up all night, have the best time of your life, and not compromise your morals. Sure. And I get invited to go with these crews and shoot with these guys. And uh, it's very challenging. If you've shot a traditional bow, I could probably hit your smart water from 35 yards with an arrow. Great. And, and I'll miss a 30-pound buffalo at my feet because of the water refraction. So the, but the buffalo, that's not a school of fish? That's a, a kind of fish? It's a, it's a kind of fish. There's a, a, a white buffalo. There's a smallmouth buffalo, a largemouth buffalo, and a black buffalo that are in the Tennessee River. And then you can shoot catfish. You can shoot gar. You can shoot drum. You can't shoot any game fish. Gotcha. No bass, nothing no like bass, that. No bass, no brim, no crappie. Uh, you can't shoot a, a – in our area, you can't shoot a, a spoonbill catfish either. Okay. And gotcha. you can't shoot turtles. And I would love to shoot a big snapping turtle. Oh, a snapping and, turtle, yes. A, a regular turtle, for some reason, I would feel bad. I don't know why. Oh, I know why. Because my brother killed one with a BB gun when we were young, and it took way too long. And I, now I've got this like weird Well, they're very sentiment. good to eat. Sentimentality about snapping turtle. turtles are really good to eat. Snapping turtles are good to yeah. eat. Really, mm-hmm. uh, I and live... gar are too if you know how to fix them. <sighs> wow, yeah, uh, I, I've got a, I saw a picture on your social media of what I think is a gigantic gar that you got here recently. The beak on that thing is like a foot long. Am I, is that yeah, the right yeah, fish? Sixty inches. Goodness, great! How much does that weigh? Oh, probably twenty-eight to thirty pounds. A thirty-pound fish with a bow out of the water—that is amazing. That's it's a lot, a lot of fun. When you, they when you put an air in them, they take off, and uh, they're hard to get back in the boat. A fish that size will typically uh, take two errors. The the it's a we shoot a compound bow. It's got a little bottle beneath it with a string attached to the arrow, and when you shoot, then you just roll it back up. You can get a higher-speed rig, like a real rod and reel, right? but you got to mash a button before you shoot it, and we don't want kids to have to have all that thought process there. Sure, Doing sure. the best they can to shoot, so we use the AMS receivers. Okay, and uh, it's like a spool, but it's not really? It's a bottle? It's a bottle that the the, the string stacks up in, oh, okay. and then when you, you mash a clutch, and when you roll it, it pinches that line and pulls it in. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I I, uh, I I need to look into that a little bit. Now I've got a compound bow, um, I and I've only had it for about I guess a year now. I did a uh, I did a podcast on archery 
start to finish from scratch, got me a bow, got me some custom arrows, and uh, got some lessons in the podcast. And so I'm only a year into archery, but it's it is awesome. Talk talk about stress relief. Put a target, set the target up in the backyard, and just let a few of them fly. Man, it is awesome. It's great. You got that whole the whole shoot. Uh, what is it called? The shooting process or whatever. You know the, the draw. All those steps. Yeah. It's great. It's it's like yoga. It's like doing yoga, but you're practicing feeding your family. You know, it's 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 fantastic. Now, could I could I put one of those bottles on my bow, or does it have to be specifically a bow fishing bow? No, no. You could take a regular compound bow and add a what we call an AMS receiver. You have to change your arrow rest because you just want a hook, gotcha. or some kind of thing because your arrows aren't fletched. They they hold a string and. Uh, Okay, okay. And you could swap it back out and put your sights back on it and deer hunt. But now a, a bow fishing bow gets punished. Sure. You might shoot your Wet. bow in the woods three times. Right. You'll shoot 75 times in a night if you're on a good fishing night. Gotcha. You'll shoot 75 times in one night trying to get a fish out of the water. And what kind of like distance are you, what, what, you know, with, like with your, with your bow, what's the farthest, on, like on, on a deer hunt, the farthest that you would shoot at a deer? I've killed deer at 40 yards. Okay. And bow fishing, you're talking about the circle of light. So, you know, maybe 25 feet would be an extremely long shot. For for an amateur like me, that'd be an extremely long shot. Some of these professional guys might could do better. And you can buy, you know, there are, there's a, a company that makes a bow fishing bow just, just for bow fishing. Diamond makes one. Um, Mission Craze is a, probably the best bow we use. Uh, you spend $800 and buy an Osprey which is a very serious, it looks like a recurve. Sure. But it has uh, some pulleys inside the sure. riser. And it's probably the smoothest bow I've ever shot. But uh, I, I shoot a $300 diamond. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I got my uh, PSE bow for, It's originally it's about a seven dollars $800 bow. But then I, I found it. Uh, it was like one year old, never been shot, and and worked out a little payment. Yeah, I shoot. I shoot PSE. Do you? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, they're uh, they're a little more. Um, they're a little they're a little less expensive, and and they still have that high 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 speed. And uh, the guy that I bought it from, Ben Cox at Hoover Tactical, right here in town. Okay. Um, he was like, "Yeah, man, it's a good bow. PSE is a good brand." Because I didn't know it. I didn't know anything about it. And like I said, I'm only a year in, but. Um, I, I would probably feel comfortable shooting at a deer um, right now. Probably thirty yards would be my max. Uh, I just got to get more comfortable. Got to get better, and you don't want to wound an animal, man. You right. know what I'm talking and, about. And you know, if you want to, just my, what my brother did when he taught his kids. They don't bow hunt much, but they do rifle hunt. When he sh- taught them how to shoot a rifle, they shot at balloons because the balloon moves. Mm. And so once you get dialed in and can hit your target. Hang a balloon on a string so that when you're looking through that bow sight, something's that moving. moving. Because the deer's rarely going to come in and pose for you, right? And a lot of a lot of first time shooters go, "Well, he wouldn't stay still. He wouldn't stay." And if you can shoot that 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 balloon, then you can do an ethical shot on a deer and and do real well. Um, what is the in, when it comes to bow fishing? What is the maximum depth that you can really even attempt a shot? If you're shooting at an angle. Probably four foot of water, you're 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 going to lose all your kinetic energy. Now to shoot straight down, you can shoot pretty deep and pin something to the bottom. But and there's less refraction, right? When you're looking straight down, yeah, you can actually just shoot straight down if you've got a fish directly under you. But anything in front of you, you aim low. In fact, what Daryl says is you aim stupid low. <laughs> wow. So like, 
Say my hand is the body of the fish and you're looking at it at an angle. Would you aim at the bottom fin or even below? Below him. Wow. Yeah. So you're aiming away from the fish. My yeah. goodness. That's and it depends uh, on the depth of the water. Sure. You know, so we'll we'll go into a pocket and it'll be a big pocket and we might shoot, you know, an hour and man, I get dialed in and can hit and they're like, Oh yeah, I'm the man. Then the water can change <laughs> by by foot, either shallow or deeper, and you can't buy a fish. Right, and, right. And what I always what I do is when we go into a new pocket, I pick something on the bottom and I shoot at it and it calibrates my mind. Well, Lonnie, thank you so much. Greg Burgess is in here now. He's about to send some tones and do the satellite show. Thank you so, so, so much, man. I oh, can't thank pleasure. you enough. It's been a lot of fun. Man, and, and thank you for the 550, man. Greg, it's okay. You're in front of the cameras. It's all right. Thank you for the 550, man. This is from Paracord? Yeah, made out of 12-foot of Paracord. And why is it called a 550, man? Because the Paracord is also known as 550 cord. Gotcha. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, check out Lonnie's book. He's amazing. He's a counselor. He's he's a repeller, repelling instructor. He's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu purple belt. Uh, he's a bow fisherman, and uh, he is who I want to be when I'm old. Lonnie, thank, <laughs> thank you so you much. Thank you very much. It's oh, been a lot of fun. By the way, with Greg here, I've got my mat over there. Um, do you want to kick my butt, and then Greg can watch and laugh? That'd be awesome. Well, we'll roll around a little bit. I don't guarantee any butt kickings. But let's do what happens. All right. So, oh boy. So, Lonnie, what's going on here, man? What are we doing? Well, I didn't know if you just wanted to uh, explore some stuff. If you want to just roll a minute, I, I don't really know what you got on your mind. Yeah, let's let's let's. I, well, I want you to beat the crap out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, here we go. <laughs> Thanks for checking out the episode. You can find more about Lonnie and purchase his book at his website, LonnieJones.org. And you can find more episodes of my show and subscribe on YouTube, Facebook, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or by going to Adler.tv. I gave away a Yeti Rambler to a random commenter on the last podcast. And so I want to say congratulations to the winner, Tim Bowling. Watch that man bun. And speaking of comments, if you have feedback or suggestions for future guests and future topics, future episodes, drop a comment below. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, also, if you can re- leave a review on the iTunes store on Apple Podcasts, that would be huge as well. Thank you for the support. I know this is a weird and tough time for many people, and I hope this podcast served uh, to inspire you maybe a little bit or at least a good distraction from your kids. New episode next Thursday at 5 a.m. Stay healthy, stay hopeful. I will see you then. Uh oh, it's getting serious now. Y'all making me tired. Thank you. I'm 57. <laughs> <laughs>